Welcome to Jeff's Letters. This is an audio narration of Jeff Bezos' annual letter to shareholders. My name is Preet Anand, and I am your narrator. There's so much wisdom in these letters that they need to be as accessible as possible, and that's why I'm putting them on audio. This is a non-commercial effort, with public education being my goal. Now, on to the letter. Amazon.com reached an important way station. After four years of single-minded focus on growth, and then just under two years spent almost exclusively on lowering costs, we reached a point where we could afford to balance growth and cost improvement, dedicating resources and staffed projects to both. Our major price reduction in July, moving to discount books over $20 by 30% off list, marked this change. This balance began to pay off in the fourth quarter when we both significantly exceeded our own goals on the bottom line and simultaneously re-accelerated growth in our business. We lowered prices again in January when we offered a new class of shipping that is free year-round on orders over $99. Focus on cost improvement makes it possible for us to afford to lower prices, which drives growth. Growth spreads fixed costs across more sales, reducing cost per unit, which makes possible more price reductions. Customers like this, and it's good for shareholders. Please expect us to repeat this loop. Editor's note. It's interesting that this is just one year after the dot-com crash. And so you can see that in lieu of a changing environment, they did continue to fund growth, but they also had a key focus on lowering their costs to get closer to profitability. Back to the letter. As I mentioned, we exceeded our goals for the fourth quarter with pro forma operating profit of $59 million and pro forma net profit of $35 million. Thousands of Amazon.com employees around the world worked hard to achieve that goal. They are and should be proud of the accomplishment. More highlights from a notable year. Sales grew 13% from $2.76 billion in 2000 to $3.12 billion in 2001. We achieved our first billion-dollar quarter on reaccelerated sales and 23% year-over-year unit growth in Q4. We served 25 million customer accounts in 2001, compared to 20 million in 2000 and 14 million in 1999. International sales grew 74% in 2001, and more than one quarter of sales came from outside the United States. Editor's note, if international sales grew 74% in 2001, and international sales were more than one quarter of sales, it's really not one quarter of sales. Yeah, they were more than one quarter of sales. It's really interesting that Considering overall sales grew only 13%, this means that growth in the U.S. must have been quite slow, probably sub-5%. Back to the letter. The United Kingdom and Germany, our largest international markets, had a combined pro forma operating profit for the first time in Q4. Open only a year, Japan grew to a $100 million annual run rate in Q4. Hundreds of thousands of small businesses and individuals 
made money by selling new and used products to our customers directly from our highly trafficked product detail pages. These marketplace orders grew to 15% of U.S. orders in Q4, far surpassing our expectations when we launched Marketplace in November 2000. Inventory turns increased from 12 in 2000 to 16 in 2001. Most important, we stayed relentlessly focused on the customer, as reflected in a chart-topping score of 84 for the second year in a row on the widely followed American Customer Satisfaction Index conducted by the University of Michigan. We are told this is the highest score ever recorded, not just for any retailer, but for any service company. Obsess over customers. Our commitment continues. Until July, Amazon.com had been primarily built on two pillars of customer experience, selection and convenience. In July, as I already discussed, we added a third customer experience pillar, relentlessly lowering prices. You should know that our commitment to the first two pillars remains as strong as ever. We now have more than 45,000 items in our electronics store, about seven times the selection you're likely to find in a big box electronics store. We've tripled our kitchen selection. You'll find all the best brands. We've launched computer and magazine subscription stores, and we've added selection with strategic partners such as Target and Circuit City. Editor's note, Circuit City doesn't exist anymore today as a store. That's probably in part because of their partnership with Amazon, but also probably because of the continued growth of Amazon's marketplace offering, which has only furthered the amount of selection it has. Today, Marketplace, I believe, is over 55% of volume sold on Amazon.com. Back to the letter. We've improved convenience with features like Instant Order Update, which warns you if you're about to buy the same item twice. People are busy. They forget that they've already bought it. We've dramatically improved customer self-service capabilities. Customers can now easily find, cancel, or modify their own orders. To find an order, just make sure you are signed in and recognized by the site and do a regular search on any product in your order. When you get to that product's detail page, a link to your order will be at the top of the page. We built a new feature called Look Inside the Book. Customers can now view large, high-resolution images of not only the front cover of a book, but also the back cover, index, table of contents, and a reasonable sample of the inside pages. They can look inside the book before making a buying decision. It's available on over 200,000 of our millions of titles. As a point of comparison, a typical book superstore carries about 100,000 titles. As my last example, I'll just point out that one of the most important things we've done to improve convenience and experience for customers also happens to be a huge driver of variable cost productivity eliminating mistakes and errors at their root. Every year that's gone by since Amazon.com's founding, we've done a better and better job of eliminating errors. And this past year was our best ever. Eliminating the root causes of errors saves us money and saves customers time. Our consumer franchise is our most valuable asset and we will nourish it with innovation and hard work.
an investment framework. In every annual letter, including this one, we attach a copy of our original 1997 letter to shareholders to help investors decide if Amazon.com is the right kind of investment for them, and to help us determine if we have remained true to our original goals and values. I think we have. In that 1997 letter, we wrote, when forced to choose between optimizing the appearance of our gap accounting and maximizing the present value of future cash flows, we'll take the cash flows. Why focus on cash flows? Because a share of stock is a share of a company's future cash flows. And, as a result, cash flows more than any other single variable seem to do the best job of explaining a company's stock price over the long term. If you could know for certain just two things, a company's future cash flows and its future number of shares outstanding, you would have an excellent idea of the fair value of a share of that company's stock today. You'd also need to know appropriate discount rates, but if you knew the future cash flows for certain, it would also be reasonable easy to know which discount rates to use. It's not easy, but you can make an informed forecast of future cash flows by examining a company's performance in the past and by looking at factors such as the leverage points and scalability in that company's model. Estimating the number of shares outstanding in the future requires you to forecast items such as option grants to employees or other potential capital transactions. Ultimately, your determination of cash flow per share will be a strong indicator of the price you might be willing to pay for a share of ownership in any company. Since we expect to keep our fixed costs largely fixed, even at significantly higher unit volumes, we believe Amazon.com is poised over the coming years to generate meaningful, sustained, free cash flow. Our goal for 2002 reflects just that. As we said in January, when we reported our fourth quarter results, we planned this year to generate positive operating cash flow, leading to free cash flow. The difference between the two is up to 75 million of planned capital expenditures. Our trailing 12 month pro forma net income should, roughly but not perfectly, trend like trailing 12 month cash flow. Limiting share count means more cash flow per share and more long-term value for owners. Our current objective is to target net dilution from employee stock options, grants net of cancellations, to an average of 3% per year over the next five years, although in any given year it might be lower or higher. Relentless commitment to long-term shareholder value. As I've discussed many times before, we are firm believers that the long-term interests of shareholders are tightly linked to the interests of our customers. If we do our jobs right, today's customers will buy more tomorrow. We'll add more customers in the process, and it will all add up to more cash flow and more long-term value for our shareholders. To that end, we are committed to extending our leadership in e-commerce in a way that benefits customers and therefore inherently investors. You can't do one without the other. As we kick off 2002, I'm happy to report that I'm enthusiastic as ever about this business. There's more innovation ahead of us than behind us, 
We are close to demonstrating the operating leverage of our business model, and I get to work with this amazing team of Amazonians all over the world. I am lucky and grateful. We thank you, our owners, for your support, your encouragement, and for joining us on this adventure. If you're a customer, we thank you again. Commentary. This letter is very interesting because it's a pretty pivotal year for Amazon. Two things changed majorly in their business. One was the introduction of Marketplace, which continues to be a major, major pillar of their business. But the second is actually even more inherent to Amazon's value proposition, and that's the aspect of low cost and low price. As Jeff talks about, this is now a third pillar of their offering. And then he reinforces how price, low cost, and growth is inherently good for business and good for shareholders many, many times throughout this letter. He begins at the beginning of the letter by saying, Focus on cost improvement makes it possible for us to afford to lower prices, which drives growth. Growth spreads fixed costs across more sales, reducing cost per unit, which makes possible more price reductions. Customers like this, and it's good for shareholders. Please expect us to repeat this loop. So it's a pivotal year for Amazon as they introduce price and low cost as a key attribute of their offering, but also they're refining their mental model of the flywheel. And I would say that's the big takeaway for me also from this letter is the importance of reiterating that mental model. Right throughout this, Jeff is reiterating about how what's good for customers is good for business. He talks about the relationship between price and growth and cost and growth, how lowering costs can then allow them to lower prices, which then helps growth. And then the growth allows them then spread those costs out across more customers which then allows them to lower prices and how that flywheel compounds over and over again. Then he even reiterates the mental model of cash flows. And so again, by training your shareholders of what to expect and how to think about your business, he's then enabling them to make more informed decisions and probably also enabling a lot of his thousands of employees to make better decisions too. One big thing that stands out from this is the power of and. A lot of times people are like, should I improve the business or improve the customer experience? And Jeff is articulating ways that you can do both, how improving the customer experience does improve business, how lowering cost does improve growth. It's not always a trade-off. So that's my takeaway from this letter was about refining and reiterating the mental model of how you approach your business. And even if you're using Jeff's letters, not for your business, but your personal life, how you refine your mental model of how you approach your life. I hope you enjoyed this letter. Thank you for being a listener, and I'll see you at the next one.